using lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude to what? Figure out my priorities of knowing what to do now by applying my why to it, my inspiration to it. My goodness. Dave's, Dave's on fire today. This is the playbook. So we're going to do a little hot seat coaching. Go ahead and get your questions ready. I have uh, two of the extraordinary coaches uh, that I coach. Uh, they're, they're amazing. Uh, Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazarus. Let's show people how you can get the most out of hot seat coaching. Who wants to go first? Uh, I think in tradition, I always do. So I'll hammer it, Dave. Uh, so yesterday I had the opportunity to be on a call with somebody and my intuition said, don't do this, Kev. This probably isn't a super valuable use of your time. And I did it anyway. Dave, when's the last time that you went against your intuition and what was the result of it? Yeah, so I go against uh, my intuition by understanding what I'm doing to interfere with my intuition. So I think it's first important for people to get the perspective that it's literally impossible to go against your intuition. You can let things interfere with it and then misappropriate or misanalyze. And one of the things uh, that I try to do is identify the triggers or the interference so that I can clear, uh, clear and balance in my depiction of how my decision is aligned with what I want, who I can help, who can help me, and how to get it done efficiently, effectively with statistical success. In other words, I apply my why to the interference. So when you talk about going against your intuition, what you're really doing is clearing the interference uh, between you and the inspired, the intuit, uh, the intelligence that's beyond your conscious uh, understanding. So you feel like, God, I got this gut feeling, but I'm going against that. It's the gut feeling is the interference uh, a, a lot of times. And so if we instead take a pragmatic approach of identifying what's creating that interference triggers like the need to be offended or right or separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, or certain people in our lives, we call them family members that trigger us create interference because now we got a feeling that we're going to disappoint somebody and live in blame, shame, and justification, worrying about what other people want for us or what's missing or what we don't want. These are all things that when we identify the interference, we now know that we're actually in spirit into it instead of understanding that we're going against something, right? The only thing that you're going against would be to create resistance. Once you go against something, it creates resistance creates more resistance. So what we want to do is identify, breathe, and then roll in the right trajectory, intuitive tra trajectory. So I think by redefining uh, the gut feeling uh, into understanding that the gut feeling, uh, if it feels good, then that's a good sign, right? There's no interference. But if the gut feeling feels like you're going against, you want to identify the interference when you take the activity or the motion towards what you want, who can help you, who you can help and how to get it done. Does that sound fair? Yes. Yeah, I agree. What have you had a time like that recently where you didn't necessarily recognize the interference and then you did after the fact? Yeah. So um, with our TV show, um, you know, I was creating a, a lot of interference uh, with uh, the Amazon prime. Uh, they're much more difficult. And, my intuition was to create, right, that 
get this done, get this done, get this done. And when I identified the triggers of being in control of living in liability, not accountability, all of a sudden, all these opportunities and options, and we're going to have you know some really big news about the world's biggest streaming service, picking up all the shows and creating more con uh, content, including some Glenn Lundy content that we're going to uh, announce as well. So uh, it's a good example of, you know, I, I, my gut was saying I needed Amazon uh, and Amazon was actually the interference uh, to uh, something bigger or better, right? Understanding if you live in faith, and I'm going to reiterate this because these are two simple perspective mindset uh, decisions to make. One is I believe, and this is my belief, nobody else's, nor do you have to adhere to it. But my belief is that if you believe there's something bigger than you, and that which is bigger than you cares about you as much as you care about your children or your parents care about you. If you believe in those two things, then every time you have interference, every time you have these situations, you'll realize you're being promoted and protected, not punished. That simple rule applies to so many different aspects of your life. But in order to utilize the higher frequency or in order to utilize that enlightenment, you have to believe it won't work unless you believe there's something bigger than you. And it cares about you more than you care about your own children or your parents care about you. Dave, I was on the phone with a client yesterday and you talk often about consistency and how I'd rather have two minutes a day than two hours on a Saturday. And I have this financial calculator exercise that I take my clients and our team through now because I want them to understand basically the compound effect over time. So this client's 24 years old. And I said, how long do you intend on working in real estate, passionate about real estate buys and wants to buy and flip, fix and flip houses. He said, honestly, I'll probably work into my seventies, maybe even eighties. I said, okay, let's, let's do seventies. So 24, uh, 70 minus 24, 46 years. <clears throat> I put a uh, hundred dollars in a bank account and not in a bank account in the financial calculator had it grow by 0.1%. I said, do you think you can get 0.1% better every single day for 46 years? You think that's possible? I showed him and I showed him after one year, after two years, after three years, after two years, you literally have like $217. After 46 years, it's in the trillions. So my question for you, Dave, is why, why aren't more people consistent? Is it because they don't understand that? Because I was talking to Kevin before this and I told Kevin straight up, I said, I think Dave is more tapped into the compound effect than any human I've ever personally met. Um, why is that? Because of adherence. I, I 100 believe, 100% believe that, that Einstein, one of his greatest uh, articulations of truth is compound interest and aggregate effect. And it goes beyond money right? It goes to behavior, uh, that good behavior aggregates at the same pace as bad behavior. The difference is with good behavior, we expect instant results like we do with money, saving money. We expect that money to grow. And you said, gosh, you know, it's $217. And after just 24 months or whatever it was, people don't understand, right? They don't understand that that's exceptional. <laughs> that's exceptional. That's the aggregate effect. You can see a result. But with good behavior, we expect instant result. And with bad behavior, we never think there's going to be a result that's aligned with our behavior. And so adherence is what I'm really good at. What is adherence? 
Adherence is the ability to remember what you want to do, the what, who, how, and now, and apply your why, and then do it every day, consistently, persistently, in the pursuit of what you want, not what other people want, what's missing or what you don't want. Adherence is the glue. Adherence is the power, the discipline. Adherence, the ability to remember to say thank you before you go to bed, thank you when you wake up, and actually do it. These are two things that human beings are resistant to. And the reason they're resistant to it is because they have not trained their mind, just like a bicep, they have not trained their mind to one, remember, recollect, and remind, bringing one to what they want. And then they have no pragmatic mechanisms of actually executing on it. If you know you're what, you're who, you're how, you're now, and apply your why every single day, if you utilize compound interest and aggregate effects, you will get exponentiality out of the emotion, the energy emotion that you put forth. And that exponentiality will be of like kind to the energy that you put out. So if it's positive, like saving money, or if it's negative, they both will utilize the same rate. And when I talk about rate, this is an important distinction between time. Time creates a resistance. Time's a man-made construct. If you tell yourself right now, I want to make a million dollars by the end of the year. And this is some, you guys are you understand Bob Proctor. This is one of the places I disagree with Bob Proctor because he tells you be very specific. You want a million dollars by the end of the year. Well, I am telling you in the world of physics, quantum physics and metaphysics, the minute you say that every second that ticks by gives you more resistance because you're getting closer and closer, less time, and it's a bigger amount in relativity. So in order to adjust that, we think of things in rate. I want to double the amount of money I make as fast as I can. The person who puts an objective that I'm going to double the amount of money I make as fast as I can, which is, by the way, a statement that I created from the rule of 72, which Einstein created, right? If you get 1% better, that it takes 72 segments of getting 1% better in order to double that which you had. Good behavior, bad behavior, or money, it doesn't matter. So rate becomes what creates effortless, resistantless uh, energy compared to, I want exactly this at exactly this time because every second that goes by. Here, here's a remarkable thing. If you told me you wanna make a million dollars by the end of the year, and I gave you $999,999 in second number one, right when you said you wanted it, you actually would have more resistance to get the million dollars after I gave you that money as each second ticks by than the person that says, I want to double the money and money I make as fast as I can and didn't have the $999,999 in the first second energetically, physically, this is mathematically true. Therefore, we want to think in terms of not only consistent behavior, but adherence to the consistent behavior that's aligned with supplementary synergistic to what? What I want personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise, who I can help, who can help me, how best to get it done by paying attention and giving intention to the coincidences of efficiency, effectiveness, statistical success, using lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude to what? Figure out my priorities of knowing what to do now by applying my why to it, my inspiration to it.
My Dave's, goodness. Dave's on fire today. <laughs> Dave, okay. What do you, from your perspective, think the most common spiritual misunderstanding is? Mm. Wow. I love when I get questions I've never heard before. Um, so the most common spiritual misunderstanding is the relationship to the, the source, right? I, I, I think that we create separation from that, which is uniting. We, we you know, the, the idea of holy, I know they spell it H-O-L-Y is actually W-H-O-L-L-Y, right? And so I think the most interesting thing is people create separation uh, in spirituality when the idea of spirituality is everything is one and connected at its best and greatest benefit, uh, not separate and interfering with one another or attacking or putting judgments, conditions on one another. So whether it's in the religious, uh, the dogmatic religions that exist within the context of separation exists, uh, because of the secular dogmatic religion, that there's a misunderstanding of what spirituality is. That spirituality uh, is intertwined into religion, but it would have no part of, of separateness, you know, of conservative, of fanatic, of orthodox or reform viewpoints or dogmatic secularization or separation of men and women uh, in certain religions. This is not energy, right? We are one whole, and the more that we increase our scientific awareness, we're starting to realize the vibrational matches of under, understanding that we are interfering with what we already have. The most common spiritual mistake is that I have to go get something. I have to go get healthy, get wealthy, get worthy, get happy. You are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Figure out what you're doing to interfere with it. If you don't have the relationship that you want with the person that you want, figure out what you're doing to interfere with it. If you don't have the job that you want, go figure out what you're doing to interfere with it because there is a vibrational match for you. You just have to clear that interference and allow it to match. Dave, earlier in this in this um, coaching session, you talked about how Kevin felt like something might be misaligned. He did it anyway, and that that is the very thing that might clear the corrosion. How do you know the difference? How do you how do you know whether or not you're making an intelligent decision if you're going against your intuition? But yet, hey, yeah, no, this is so you're overanalyzing it, right? There is no good or bad decision. There is only decisions. And therefore, speed or rate in which we learn from our decisions is the true objective of the decision that we make, not the attachment of your emotions to an outcome of making a decision, but actually learning the lesson from the decision that you make under the right. context that that decision will result in a lesson that promotes you and protects you, not punishes you. So therefore, whether or not he made the decision based on the interference or the intuition, the true connected truth, there will be a lesson in it. He will either learn to repeat that behavior because it's in line with his spirit or his vibrational match, or he'll learn that, oh, this is interference. Now I'm going to learn the lesson to reduce or resolve or dissolve the interference so that I speed up the rate in which I make the match. Hmm. You follow up, but, Alan? 
Yeah. So you, you say to make decisions based on your core values yep. and sort of the cost value analysis of that. How does that come into play when it comes to whether or not, so there's no good or bad decisions, but there are better, more intelligent choices. I there believe are only, there are only decisions that are aligned with what you want personally, experientially giving and receiving who you can help and who can help you that are efficient, effective and statistically successful. The 2022 is the year of prioritization. We are entering a period of abundance. People are feeling overwhelmed. Why? Because overwhelmed feeling is an indication of abundance. There's more than enough. There's too much. Oh my God, I feel overwhelmed. Well, we need to learn in 2022 how to prioritize. And when we learn to prioritize, if our decisions are aligned with what we want, who we can help, who can help us and how to get it done efficiently, effectively with statistical success in the lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, we are always making the best decision for us, not the right decision, not the wrong decision. We're making the best decision by prioritizing what's important to us and matching vibrationally to it to get it, learn from it, promote ourselves, protect ourselves, and continue to empower others to do the same because of the connectivity of the oneness of everyone together. So what we want to do is realize that this daily practice, which I will send to everyone, right? I have the five daily practices of what, who, how, now, and applying your why in detail. Email me, david at dmeltzer.com. Put your questions in here. Like, Listen to me. If you understand, let me give you an example with money, Alan, okay? People ask me so much financial advice. Should I invest in real estate? Should I invest in crypto? What do you think about NFTs, esports, blah, 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 blah. Look, it doesn't matter because I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know every day because I take inventory of my values is my timing and risk tolerance. And if you determine your timing and risk tolerance before making any investment, as long as you have trusted and vetted that investment to align with your timing and risk tolerance, you will never be displeased or diseased with your investment. If you make money, you will be at ease. If you lose money, you will be at ease if you have aligned the timing and risk tolerance because you've met your expectations. You knew that you had one in one billion chance of winning the lottery, so you're not disappointed in your investment in a lottery ticket when you lose because you have agreed to align the investment with the timing and risk tolerance of the lottery. Interesting. If you went into the lottery without knowing your timing and risk tolerance and you said, oh, I didn't win, I'm unlucky. How many people say that? No, you're not. You're just extremely statistically successful uh, for making that investment of one in a billion. Uh, but you're not unlucky. You're just not taking the time to understand your timing and risk tolerance. And this holds true with real estate, holds true with crypto and NFTs. You got to take inventory of the what, the who, the how, the now, apply your why, know your timing and risk tolerance. And then when you're making the decision, if it's in line with what you want and you learn the lessons, how to get there faster, promote you farther or protect you from something that will interfere with you, you're better off. Dave, we just crossed our 800th episode. And obviously we've done a lot of podcasting, interviewing, being on other shows. What... Well, let me give you more context. So when I go on a show, 
I'm always surprised at maybe the lack of seriousness or the fact that they don't do YouTube or the fact that they don't have a microphone or whatever it may be. What are you constantly surprised about that in your mind is just either common sense, common knowledge or common practice that you can bring to people? Preparation, practice, right? I am just amazed that, you know, people go through the motions, that they took the time to have a podcast, a radio show, whatever it may be. Oh, sorry, I muted myself on accident. <laughs> there you go. Um, it, it, what I was saying is practice uh, in pre pre preparation. I, I do a lot of interviews like you. You know, I have thousands of episodes of different podcasts that I've not only done myself and do myself, but also have been on. And I'm just amazed how little preparation, like someone would go through the effort to have an interview and not know what they're going to talk about. They don't know the open-ended questions even. So they end up, you know, reading off a sheet, looking down saying, tell me, right? And, you know, I see it all the time and it's not easy uh, to extrapolate into a line emotionally, make people feel a certain way in an interview. And what happens is, you know, what good is if I'm like, so Alan, tell me what you do. Do you like it? And I call it the sideline reporter problem uh, in sports. Like nothing's more annoying than the interview at halftime in a basketball game on the court when the announcer comes up and like, oh, you're down 55 points. How do you feel? <laughs> this is the kind of shit where people aren't prepared and aren't practiced. And so I think, you know, that same idea of consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, do the work, find and ask questions that you're curious or want to collaborate on and get some insights instead of repeating facts of the movie, the TV show, the book. Dave, I have this written down. I have speaking of preparation. I have five different questions I wanted to ask you. The very first one is what do you believe is the most underrated or overlooked skill that you have developed in hindsight where, where looking back, it's like, wow, that one skill that I worked on that no one maybe even knew I worked on ended up being like so important. Asking. I'm an expert at asking. I've created a formula, an open-ended question template to determine if someone has an open mind and open heart and open hands. With the connectivity of everybody today, it's so essential to ask, to ask. I'm an expert at asking, how can I be of service or value to you without it seeming to be trite or insincere? I'm an expert at asking, do you know anyone that can help me without sounding desperate or needy? I'm an expert at asking multiple times. I, I shared this story before. I'm not sure many heard this, but asking so powerful. Think about this. You know, I'm blessed to do work with Arthur Blank, the founder of Home Depot. Home Depot has four checkouts. They have the contractor, the consumer, the garden, and the self-checkout. They sell warranties like all profitable <clears throat> companies like that should because they're making huge margins on those, you know, would you like to buy a two-year warranty on your dishwasher or, or your tile or whatever it is? Anyway, the number one sales checkout for warranties aggregated. So there's one of the checkouts that sells more warranties than all three of the others combined is the self-checkout. Why? Because everybody that goes through self-checkout, it says, would you like to buy a warranty and list out the choice? 
no emotion, no judgments or conditions of, oh, this person can afford it. This person looks nice. This person looks mean. Whatever people are doing, they're just consistently asking. And guess what? Triple the results, quadruple the results. So my superpower beyond adherence, because you need adherence to consistently, persistently do anything, you know, that's the glue is asking. Dave, when you say adherence, are you referring to like, I know that this is in alignment with what I want and this is in alignment with my core values. I'm going to have the self-discipline to actually execute against it. Is that what you mean by adherence? I know that you went through it, but. Yeah, no, I think it's even simpler than that. Adherence to me is I'm going to remember what I want, who I can help, who I can help me, how to get it done. And I'm going to remember it because I can prioritize and get more done. And I'm actually going to do it. Okay. See, what it doesn't make any sense that everybody knows saying thank you will change your life. It's free. It takes 0.1 seconds. I created a 14-day gratitude challenge for everyone, and I'll give a whole gift basket to you if you complete it. So email me if you want to join. But the reason I did it is I wanted to prove adherence because there's nothing faster, cheaper, and more effective to change your life than just saying thank you. Nothing. And it's proven by the world's thought leaders from anyone you love, Sadhguru, Deepak Chopra, you know, Einstein, they all talk about gratitude, brother, and they all get it for free and they all can say it or think it in 0.1 seconds. So why don't we do it? Why is it that if I tell you and everyone shakes their head, yes, will by tonight, half of the people not say thank you by tomorrow morning, another half won't say thank you. Why is it within three days, all of us will forget to say thank you? Exactly. We forget, right? We get so caught up in what other people want for us, what's missing, what we don't have. We forget about what we want and we want to be grateful. We want to find the light, the love and the lessons and everything. Live with peace and empathy and accountability, the power and control of knowing that we're here to learn lessons in spirit by effectively communicating and appreciating, acknowledging and asking for more. This is what we do. And so adherence is very simple. Remember what you decided to do at the beginning of the day and do it. That's adherence. And if you do that every day, if you remember what you want, who you can help, who can help you, how to get it done and prioritize correctly and do it. If you remember and do what you want for you every day, That compound interest, the aggregation and acceleration will create the exponentiality of the positive behaviors of what you want. And you will be promoted and protected, not punished. Mm, My goodness. Dave, can I get another quick one? Sure. What is one piece of advice you would give today that you wouldn't have either been aware of or given a year ago? Um, To believe that there's a power greater than me, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing being that loves me more than I love my own children and that you need to believe that. You, what you, sh- need, you need to believe. I wouldn't have told people that. I would. What shifted you, that for you, Dave? What was the occurrence that made you believe that? It was a, a, an aggregation of, of occurrences where in the analysis of the law of gravity, the law of Goya and the law of attraction, in the analysis of pain as an indicator, setback failures, mistakes, being an opportunity to learn a lesson, uh, I started to realize what is the context in which I believe 
that all mistakes, failures, setbacks, and pain are promoting me to a better place, a better position. Position. I just have to find the light, the love, and the lesson in the pain, setback, failure, etc. And I will continually aggregate and accelerate and exponentially receive what I want. But without faith, that there's an omniscient, all-knowing source, so that when something happens in my life that wasn't planned that seems to be completely counterintuitive to what I want and counterproductive to what I want. That faith accelerates, creates the rapid and accurate manifestation of something better every single time. And why not have faith in the fact that it must be just in asking and everything as if my 11 year old son would ask me for something. And if it's good for him, I'm going to give it to him. But if he's trying to stick his hand into the stove, I'm going to slap his hand and scream at him. He's going to think I'm punishing him, but what am I really doing? Protecting him and promoting him and teaching him to a better place, a better position or a better situation. So I believe that that relationship exist like mine with my children with an almighty all-powerful all-knowing source not an ignorant arrogant source like me or an ignorant humble source which is sometimes me but an all-knowing all-powerful omniscient source so that i can have full faith it creates this complete balance and clarity that i just have to continue to appreciate what i have acknowledge it by giving it away and asking for more, just like I want my children to do from me. I want them to appreciate everything they have. I want them to acknowledge it by allowing it to go away, leave it, give it away, not accumulate and create all types of resistance. But then most importantly, after they've appreciated and expanded their vessel to ask me for more, ask me for more, and I'll gladly give it if it's what I believe, and I'm not omniscient, I'll gladly give them what I believe will help promote them and protect them. The difference is I don't know everything, so I can just do my best, learn lessons, and have fun myself. Dave, are we, are we done or do we have time? You can have one more, and then we'll get the, the Q&A for Clubhouse and IG. We'll get it rolling. What do you got, Al? Um, so my question for you is, is you remind me of someone who um, – genuinely has has not only learned how to manifest really well but has always had a strong belief in their own ability to do whatever they set their mind to even to the extent of like again potentially playing in the nfl or or a collegiate athlete when maybe you weren't blessed with as many uh physical gifts as some of the other players so where did that self-belief come from in hindsight do you believe and why don't more people believe in themselves the way that you do so i think initially i was motivated by fear and scarcity uh, to do my best. I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. I was driven, you know, with a desire that I must be what I can be financially. And the, you know, misperception that quantum talent that I had would take me to the NFL and I'd be a rich football player and buy my mom a house and a car from the time I was five years old started to teach me adherence. And the reality of being an average division three college football player in the end taught me a great lesson that the lesson of being an average division three college football player still today may be the closest I've come to my potential uh, of any 
because I haven't been in all aspects of my life consistent, persistent in the pursuit as I was for those, you know, 17 years, 17 years, every single day that dream was alive and I was doing my best with that desire. And when I was able to apply that adherence to things that I quantumly were better at, this is what drove me and the results that I was getting and the lessons I was learning, which all weren't successful. Remember, I lost over $100 million in 2008. 2006, I hit rock bottom emotionally. I was empty and lost. Rich as shit, access to everything, but lost and soulless. And then I remembered and took stock in who I was and what I wanted to become again. Who I was and the lessons that I've learned and what I wanted to become again. And that is what you see today to be able to manifest what you desire rapidly and accurately. All right, boys, I appreciate you giving a classic example of how much you can get out of a short coaching, hot seat coaching session. As always, I appreciate you both. Please email me. I'll give you those five daily practices, david at dmelzer.com. Reach out anytime. Any last takeaways for you guys? Just grateful, Dave. Grateful for, for this and uh, always raising our awareness so we can come with better questions and higher level questions next time. You guys are great. How about you, Alan? Uh, same as Kev is thank you for helping us understand things at a deeper level. And more importantly, just helping us uh, learn how to be better. That's right. Enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential by adhering to your what, your who, your how, your now. Apply your wise, fellas. 